Good morning. I am, uh, if you were listening, my last section was paused, interrupted. And I... So the downside is that since I didn't get to finish on my walk, I am going to finish on my drive and there's a lot more ambient noise. So I apologize for the sound quality, but this is the time I have to, to record. The positive side is that what interrupted me was my daughter. Um, actually, my dad was bringing my daughter home, and my daughter hopped out and walked with me. And, uh, starry night in the cold, walking with my daughter is uh, absolutely worth the interruption. The other positive thing is is maybe. As I talk, I, my mind goes so many different directions. And one of the directions um, that I'm trying to go gets eclipsed. So let, let me bring this to a, a, hopefully a clearer head. Basically, I, I spent all of that time coming up with sort of an intellectually compelling argument that the Bible has to be a mixture of the two poles that I defined one is that it is a book of truth contained in a factual account. And the, the other end of the spectrum is that it is a book of truth contained in a mythical account. An account which has no obligation to be truthful, but which at times looks factual to connect to us. So that that would be one way, I suppose, you could define a myth. Is that, yeah, they're people. They're not stories about Martians, but we 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 can comprehend what's going on, but they're not bounded by any facts. So recognizable, maybe that would be a way of that, that, that describing their position, that the, the Bible is a book of truth contained in stories of recognizable situations and characters, not bounded by facts. So if we if we accept that position, um, if we accept the position that it is a, a book of truth contained in facts, well, right away we are we are forced to admit there are exceptions, um, literarily and from the context it appears that Jesus is telling parables. So so then we have at least at least one thing in the account that doesn't seem to be based on facts, or I might say in which the facts, if they are facts, are incidental. There's no value to be gained by knowing who it was that planted a vineyard. There's no, no point in knowing who it was that went out to sow his field. The facts are, and, and maybe they're true, they're archetypal, so they're like common. This isn't any one person, but this is a common occurrence. Or maybe they are factual, but the facts are incidental. 
and Jesus brings these kind of stories. So, so it, it sort of makes it hard to hold the position that every single part of the Bible is, is factual. On the other extreme, where we say this is a book of truth contained in, in recognizable situations, but with not being bounded by facts. And this may be where I, I sort of lost a clear train of thought. But what happens then is it is hard to apply it to our lives. So if if the truths were not connected to real facts, things that large numbers of people could see and recognize as as real in some sense. If it, if it wasn't connected to that, then it's very difficult to ever claim there is a point of intersection with your real life. Now, this is all based on my belief that I don't want to tell you where it intersects with your life. Well, actually, I do. Oh, that's the problem. And lots of us do. I'd love to take the Bible and apply it to your life, precisely because often I don't want to apply it to my life. So, to be precise, let me explain it this way, that if the Bible is recognizable situations, but not based on facts, then I always can escape the authority of those truths. Because I can say, well, those stories, that truth claim is not based on my situation. So going back to Jonah, I may be totally evading my responsibility in my home, but I have never felt a call to go to Nineveh. Honestly, I, I've never, I've never even thought about going to Nineveh and telling the Ninevites, well then I could say, well, Jonah was called to go to the Ninevites. And that's a totally different thing than me being called to interrupt what I'm doing and take, take a walk with my daughter, for instance. And I know it's a weak argument because you'd say, no, no, that's the point, that this truth is bigger than Nineveh. But it may be bigger than Nineveh. I may admit that the truth is bigger than going to Nineveh. But I can claim that the situation is fundamentally different. Because it doesn't intersect. Okay, so those are the dangers. You get to either extreme and you say that isn't. Which leaves us in a position where I think we have to ask about the biblical record. Is this a point which intersects with facts? We don't get to say, no, this is all factual. And I think it's dangerous for ourselves to say, no, none of these are factual. So, there's a there's a method I want to suggest that would protect us from the dangers. Protect me from the danger. 
And, and, and that is that this whole discussion is based on this assumption that there is a truth. So, if you're saying the Bible is has no transcendent truth, that's a ridiculous claim, then, then this talk isn't for you. But if you say that the Bible has a transcendent claim on your life, and you're desiring to answer the question, well, is it based on facts, or is that transcendent claim um, projected upon a, a false, a, a, an unreal stage, in which I'm, I'm kind of groping for how to apply it to my life. Well, that may be. But if I take the biblical record, Excuse me. Okay. If I take the biblical record and I discipline myself to say, if there is a truth claim, I want that claim of truth to have authority in my life. And I purpose not to consider the factuality until I have attempted I've attempted to deal with the authority of the truth claim. I think I get a different result when it comes to questions about things like factuality. In a way, I think they become irrelevant which would put it closer to the pole, saying, well, these are truth claims, and, and they're just imposed upon a story built to, to highlight them. And I, so I think in a way that happens, but simultaneously, my experience has been that the other pole becomes also more likely. My, my attempt, or, or, or my... my, my uh, yeah, my attempt to classify things as possible or impossible gets badly, badly shaken. Okay, so if you deal with the truth claim, the authority of the truth, let's call it that. I'll probably call it the truth claim on your life. So if I use truth claim, that's what I mean. If you deal with the truth's claim on your life, your assessment of the factuality may change. Because the reason why you question the factuality is that the things that happen get highly, highly unlikely. That's why you say that couldn't be a fact. So, so let's look at the Jonah story from my perspective. This, this new perspective that I'm trying to impose upon myself, learn to look at the Bible and other records. Because amazingly, from where I grew up, I am willing to look at other records. But I'm looking at them and in a very different light, this same light. Is there a truth claim? Because the thing we ought to be afraid of it's not that we don't know something. 
that we should have known. Because that, that really is That's phenomenological. We, we know some, we, we're exposed to certain things and not to others. So, if we are suffering because we did not know something, it, it is tragic, but it is not horrible. But what if we are suffering because we knew something and ignored it? That brings into our suffering a a, a whole nother level because it's almost as if we have to hate ourselves and we try to say well it was it was a mistake but was it it goes down a, a rabbit trail and I think maybe three thoughts for everyone I say and, and that's why in one way this this recording is not a great way but I've written and when I write, I know exactly what I want to get across. And when I talk, I, I find myself going down it. But, but this is big. And so let me just say one more thing. And that is that if there is a truth claim and I fail to attend to it, and maybe it's a truth claim that I will find wrong. And I'll say, no, that is not a claim of truth, or that is a truth that doesn't have a claim upon my life at this moment. But if I fail to attend to it, if I take my eyes off of it, then it is going to ambush me in some way. I, I, I'm convinced. Where are no, enough of them are going to ambush me. That it's a dangerous strategy. So, you say, I, I want to attend to the truth claims, but I find the facts very, very suspect. And if the, if the facts have no relationship to my life, then it's hard to know whether this truth claim has a claim on my life. So let's look at the story of Jonah that way. So I read the story of Jonah. Jonah is told, you need to go to Nineveh and tell the people there because you have the message that will, will save them. And Jonah says, well, I, I don't want them to be saved. So so the story needs to have that. There, there's, there's malevolence, not just shirking duty in Jonah's approach. But, so this mixture of laziness and malevolence makes Jonah causes Jonah to say, well, I'm going to run away and I'm going to go the opposite direction um, from what it is that I need to, to do. So he is running from the task that he knows he should do and doesn't want to do, partly because he's lazy and partly because he is malevolent. And as he runs, his, he encounters a storm. And that, that storm is so bad that it is threatening to swallow up the people around him. And even though he is was malevolent enough to run and lazy enough to, to try to shirk his duty, he doesn't want to see the people around him swallowed up in the storm that 
is caused by him. So he gets thrown into the water. And uh, when he's thrown into the water, the story says God has a big fish waiting to swallow him up. And uh, so for three days, he's in the belly of the fish. He is conscious. Um, some sort of suspended animation. It doesn't tell us how, except that we know that he is able to think. And he comes to his senses, and he says, all right, let's, I'll go and do the task. And so then the fish spits him up onto shore, and uh, he goes to Nineveh. Um, the rest of the story is, is fascinating. It needs analysis, but let's not analyze that right now. So that's the story of Jonah. And the problem is that that somebody who, who claims that the Bible is a truth story framed in a framed in a factual framework says that obviously isn't the truth story framed in a factual. There's just too many things that, that don't fit. First of all, the storm wasn't because I mean how how could you have a storm because somebody did the wrong thing. That's not how meteorology works. And secondly, probably the easiest accusation is that this whale, which originally, or big fish, and I think those two are interchangeable because it's a linguistic trick, but whichever comes and swallows you, you, you you can't live in the belly of a fish. Newsflash, Pinocchio was not a documentary. Geppetto can't uh, really live inside this fish, and, and, and it's almost as dumb that you would think that Jonah can. So, the methodology I want to do is to say, okay, those facts, I, I may not want to attend to the truth, but those facts, let's just, let's just without thinking too much, say, okay, The story of Jonah is one of those stories that is a truth claim placed upon recognizable people and situations, but without a um, factual basis. Okay. But if it's a truth story, then that truth has a claim on my life. So, So let me suggest and I'll tell you a story about this, but let me suggest that, that I, I'm there and I read this story and I say, hmm, let me look at my life. Oh, wow, I do have, I, I do have a situation in my life. I have a situation that I need to attend to. I need to go and do something that I'm scared to do. And so far, I have been running away. I have been, I've chosen to be resentful and lazy, um, which maybe isn't as bad as malevolent and lazy, but it's pretty close. So I, I have been, I have been careless, been lazy. I've been running from this, and oh, you know, some of the storms that are brewing in my life may be caused by that. And furthermore, some of the storms in my life. Are, are threatening to swallow up the people I love. 
there could be a lot of a, a lot of ways that you would look at that truth story and say, ah, yeah, that does describe me. Okay. So then what I would tell you to do is attend to the truth or make your best attempt to tend to the truth before you render judgment on the factual structure of the story. Because why would the factual structure matter if you aren't intending to attend to the truth? Well, the only reason it matters is if you're trying to impose or deny somebody else telling you. So I get it. Totally. Somebody comes and says, you got to do this. And here's the story of Jonah to prove that you have to do this. I, I, I'm right there. Well, story of Jonah, you can't apply that to me. It's not even true. It's, it's, a, it's a story of of this truth stuck in a fantasy world and I don't live in that fantasy world I live in the real world so you can't expect me to do that and it's all based on somebody trying to assume the authority of that truth and apply it to someone rather than themselves but when I apply it to myself I can say you know I'm not sure I believe in the big fish I'm not sure I believe storms come for such simple reasons as, as people but I can see how I have been avoiding a task that I need to do. And out of laziness or malevolence or, or bitterness or whatever, I, I have, rather than rising up and meeting this challenge, I have run away from this challenge. And I have, I, I have run into the, the, the brewing storms. Now, what if you applied that truth to you and said, you know what, I don't want to find out if there's a, a big fish lurking to swallow me. I want to make it right today. And so you go and you attend to what you need to attend to. And something happens while you attend to it. Okay? I don't know what, and I'm not going to predict specifically what, but just imagine that as you attend to it, because it is what you needed to do, it is a unique task for you, the results are phenomenal. Because that's part of the truth claim in the, in, in the story. Jonah goes, and because it is his task, the city of Nineveh, which is a large city, they listen to his message. So, the truth claim is that, hey, you, you, you do this, and it's your task, and, and you stop evading it, you go and do your task, there might be some phenomenal results. And I think phenomenal is the word I mean. There, there might be results which are not what you expected. They, 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 they're connected like a phenomenon. <laughs> they, they happen. And, and it's it, you can hardly believe that they're a causative connection. It's just this, this incredible event. And when that happens, so for Jonah, when he lives through 
the, the wholesale repentance and change of Nineveh, my suggestion is now you might be equipped. So, so you live through the amazing things that happen when you start attending to what you need to attend to. And you might come back to the story and say, aha, I'm in a different position to describe the likelihood. As a matter of fact, you may say, wow, the change in my co-workers when I finally stood up and did what I needed to do is, is amazing. I mean, it seems like I saw a miracle that's bigger than surviving in a fish. I've reached the destination, so I am going to, to give a ride to some Amish friends, and then I will tell you my story. I will tell you my story about this. A similar, a parallel event. Perfectly parallel? No. You can always dismiss it, but a parallel situation. So I will be back.